The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Like I said, the jump. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, S P O R T S E T H O S. Online, sportsethos.com. Pretty simple. Get the best in worldwide sports coverage. We're not just talking about basketball, although that's mostly where I reside, but also football and now even some baseball, in addition to fantasy, DFS, and gaming. So definitely make sure to jump on that and take advantage of all that we have to offer. One more time on Twitter at sportsethos, online, sportsethos.com. Also, listeners, while you're at it, please take a moment to follow at ethosfantasybk on Twitter. Real simple, E-T-H-O-S, fantasy, and then B-K, all one word. This is the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed, because it's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's Ethos Fantasy B-K on Twitter. Follow now. How y'all doing today? I hope everyone is having a great start to their morning. Today is January the 5th of 2022. It is crazy to say that. Yeah, I remember back in school, or maybe I was still in school, but like grade school, I mean, when the new year would come and your brain was still set for the last year, so you would write your name at the very top along with the date, kind of initial in the upper right-hand corner, and you'd be putting, you know, 1-5-21, that's me still, even though it's 22, it's so weird, so weird. Also, I got a library, right, so renewing cards, personal story here, but not really. But anyway, when I'm renewing people's cards, we renew them for one year at a time. So if I renew a card for someone right now, it's good until the 5th of 2023. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that next year is 2023 because looking at that year is just so, it's like another, it's like an alien language to me. Like 2023, what, what? Like, it's crazy. I don't know. It just feels so wild to say and wrap your head around. But then again, I guess 2020 did and 2019, who cares? I didn't come for this. I came for basketball, right? This is round ball ramble after all. So let's get started. We had a four-game night last night, but we also had some news to dig into. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, so news. Uh, Monday was announced the players, rookies, and coaches of the month. We'll start with the players of the month. Those went to Donovan Mitchell in the West and Joel Embiid in the East. Uh, for Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz were 12-2 and over the month of December. Mitchell averaging 30.2 points, 5 assists, and shooting 50% from the field. While the 76ers in the East, who have been a little more shorthanded, of course, finished the month 8-6. and six. Joel Embiid finished with 29.2 points, 11.2 rebounds, and 3.9 assists. A good job for both of them. Obviously, Utah had a much more dominant December. But individually, Joel Embiid not only played amazing, but also scored a season-high 43 points with 15 rebounds and 7 assists in a win against the Hornets on December 6th. The Sixers are currently in the 6th seed, but they did take over some dominant victories over both the Golden State Warriors and the Brooklyn Nets, uh, with Joel Embiid obviously playing a huge part of both of those games. 
Other nominees for that month are for the West, Steph Curry from the Warriors, Shea Gilgis-Alexander for the Thunder, and LeBron James for the Lakers. For the East, Giannis Tendekumpo for the Bucks, DeMar DeRozan for the Bulls, Kevin Durant for the Nets, Darius Garland for the Cavs, Kyle Lowry for the Heat, and Fred Van Vliet for the Toronto Raptors. Just further showing this year how much more stacked the East is. And we'll see that more when we start talking about All-Star um, bids and who should make it and who shouldn't. There's just so much more competition on the East this year that's like, it's crazy. As far as rookies, yep, that happened too. I just said it. On the West, you had Josh Giddy for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And from the East, it was Franz Wagner of the Orlando Magic. Giddy finished December with 11 points, 11.8 points, 7.1 rebounds, and 6.7 assists per contest. While Franz Wagner finished with 19.5 points, 5.1 rebounds, and 3.1 assists. Uh, Giddy continues to lead all rookies in assists per game, and he ranks third in rebounds. He averages 6.4 assists per game, and he's averaging 7.3 rebounds, and he's number eight in scoring at 11 even. He also recently became the youngest player in NBA history to lock a triple-double, and in December, obviously, getting around, you know, getting close there, messing around with it, flirting, if you will, with it. 11.8 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 double-doubles. He is going to be something regular for him. He's going to follow the tradition of great Thunder point guards who can average triple-doubles, because that is an achievement. I don't care what they say or arbitrary comes off. It is still something that no one does that often and it needs to be celebrated as such. Okay, I'm off my Russell Westbrook uh, soapbox. Anyway, as far as Franz Wagner, Wagner is the number one scorer among rookies. He's averaging 15.9 points for the year. He ranks third in three-pointers made. He's made 61 already. He's um, third in three-point percentage at 37% and he is number eight in rebounding at 4.6 boards a game. In December, obviously averaging just under 20 points, but he also scored a season-high 38 points in a loss to the Milwaukee Bucks on December 28th, and he scored 20 or more points seven different times this season, after logging only two such games before December. Uh, I will definitely say I was not the biggest fan of Franz Wagner where he was drafted by the Magic, especially when they were able to have Jalen Suggs fall to them. I was hoping they would get Jalen Suggs and then Moses Moody. But right now, you can't help but acknowledge that Franz Wagner has been playing very impactful basketball for the Indo Magic. And I'm willing to say that I have an early out right now because Moses Moody, while solid when he's had the opportunity, is nowhere near Franz Wagner. Um, just It's just straight up a fact right now. And Wagner has just definitely made an immediate impact. I was wrong. Overstated it. Uh, obviously wasn't aware of what he brought to the table in its fullest extent. And here he is making me look like yet another of those quote-unquote experts or even uh, really big super fans who uh, are wrong. Other nominees for Rookie of the Month for the West, you had Herbert Jones from the Pelicans, Davion Mitchell from the Sacramento Kings, and Alperin Shangun from the Houston Rockets. For the East, other nominees were Scotty Barnes from the Toronto Raptors, Cade Cunningham from the Detroit Pistons, Chris Duarte from the Indiana Pacers, Evan Mobley from the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Omir Yurt Seven from the Miami Heat. Shout out to Omir for definitely making an impact. First time I've said his name on Round Ball Ramble all year, and I hope to say it again because that is such a cool name, and obviously he's playing so very, very well. As far as coaches of the month go, we have two again. What a surprise, East and West, right? Sorry, I'm getting myself started. For the West, you have Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies, who have just been playing so well. He's actually a nominee for Coach of the Year. Forget Coach of the Month. For the East, Eric Spolstra for the Miami Heat, who finished 10-5 despite being spectacularly shorthanded throughout most of the year up to this point. Um, both squads are currently the fourth seed in their respective conference standings. 
So that's great. Um, both have, like I said, achieved much uh, despite adversity. Miami being, of course, without the service of the Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo for almost all of that time. Uh, Taylor Jenkins having to juggle not only a young team, but a team that was missing John Morant for a good chunk of um, the season so far on and off, and yet still being very, very good. Uh, both these coaches were deserved. Not a whole lot to add there. Other nominees for the West, you had Steve Kerr from the Golden State Warriors and Quinn Snyder from the Utah Jazz. For the East, you had J.B. Bickerstaff from the Cleveland Cavaliers, Mike Boonholzer from the Milwaukee Bucks, and Steve Nash from the Brooklyn Nets. And we'll talk awards and Coach of the Year and stuff in a future episode, but J.B. Bickerstaff, man, the way he has those Cavs playing, man, oh man, oh man, it is something to behold. Uh, I am totally a fan, even though it was definitely kind of funky on the onset. Speaking of the Cavs, let's talk about their game last night. It was a clash of two all-star point guards, John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies versus Darius Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the game did not disappoint. Neither did those two point guards. Morant finished with 28 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists, while Darius Garland finished with 27 points, 4 rebounds, and 10 assists, but the Grizzlies got the win 110-106 to in a game that can be just described as fun by me. It was just a very, very fun game. Um, in addition to Morant playing the way that he did, he had help from five other Grizzly players in double digits, uh, led by Jaron Jackson with 22 points to only three rebounds. Very shocking. After that, you had 13 points from Brandon Clark off the bench, 12 from Tyus Jones, in addition to two assists, 10 points from Zaire Williams, um, and Desmond Bain also had 11 points while knocking down three of his six threes. For the Cavs, again, five players in double digits. You had Darius Garland first and foremost, like I mentioned, but then you had Jared Allen with a monstrous double-double, 22 points, 12 rebounds, a couple of nice dunks. Every time I see him play, I go, why did Brooklyn give him up? Like, I understand the financial aspect, the logistic aspect of it, but I also have no idea why, because he has been so dosh darn good. Yes, I said gosh darn good. That's not even a word. Gosh darn is the word, isn't it? Doesn't matter. Jared Allen has been great. Evan Mobley has made a just fantastic front court partner with him. Mobley finished with 17 points and 8 boards of his own on 6 of 12 shooting. Uh, Lamar Stevens didn't give you much on the offensive end, but played great defense for the most part. Kevin Love off the bench, just continuing a resurgent season for him. I love to see it. You just gotta love to see it after seeing him kind of waste away on the bench for a couple of years and given, you know, half but efforts uh, came in with a double-double in 28 minutes, 18 points, 10 boards, also two assists, knocked down four threes, really good from him. Larry Markkinen only knocked down one of five threes, but the one three came in a very crucial point in the game, kind of keep them around. He finished with 13 points, six rebounds, and get this, five assists as well, doing a little bit of everything. Uh, like I said, really close game back and forth, but ultimately, John Morant decided to seal the deal with just, what can be described as this crazy hanging double pump short jumper slash floater off the backboard. He gave Memphis a 106-104 lead with that shot and then stripped the ball from Brandon Goodwin and scored on Cleveland's next possession with 22 seconds, and scored um, when Cleveland got the ball back with 22 seconds left. So, he locked it up. Uh, Larry Markkinen made a layup to pull the Cavs within 2, 108-106, but then Morant made a pair of free throws and locked up Memphis's 10th road victory out of his last 11 games. Uh, remember, the Grizzlies won 118-104 just one night earlier. And Morant, I mean, he will go at you. You know, he is going to be that guy 
to try to rip your heart out as an opposing team. And he said so um, after the fact, that he prides himself on not only getting to the rim against tough guys, but making big shots and closing it out. Uh, as far as closing it out, Morant said, quote, At the end of games, I love being the guy who takes that shot and make or miss, and I've been delivering of late. When I attack, my job is just to make the right play, whether it's me or to drop off to one of my teammates, and Morant has done just that. That guy has been making all of the moves. Uh, like I said, a really fun game all around. Uh, Memphis X did to come back to kind of get the victory there. 11 lead changes, 11 ties. Uh, bench, bench points were uh, definitely more on the Memphis side, but both teams definitely got it in. It was just a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. I, I definitely recommend that game as one on the replay machine for sure. But one that definitely lived with the hype that I had leading up to it when I talked about it last night. Raptors blew up the Spurs 129-104. Fred Van Vliet continuing to play very, very strong, trying to make an all-star bid in this loaded Eastern Conference. He finished with 33 points, 2 rebounds, and 7 assists uh, to Yaka Pertles. Yep, Yaka Pertle, that's right. Um, and his uh, return to Toronto, leading the way with a double-double, 19 points, 12 rebounds, and 4 assists. Uh, for the rest of the Spurs, it just wasn't a very good shooting performance. They shot just 43% from the field, 25% from three on 35 attempts, and just 68% from the free throw line. Uh, in addition to Pertle's 19 points, you had 15 points from Josh Primo off the bench. You also had 15 points from Devin Bissell. Then um, 12 points from Derek White, 13 from Joe Weiskamp, and uh, that was pretty much all they wrote, folks. That was pretty much it. For Toronto, uh, six, seven players in double digits. You had 33 from Van Vliet, 21 from um, from Gary Trent Jr., 18 from Pascal Siakam on 7 of 13 shooting, along with 12 rebounds and 5 assists. Very efficient for him. Another guy who filled the box score, uh, Scotty Barnes. 11 points, but 9 rebounds and 8 assists as well. Off the bench, 14 points for Justin Champagne. Um, and then 10 points and 4 boards for Precious Achua. This was just a, a dominant game from Toronto in one that wasn't very close. They overwhelmed the Spurs and took the easy victory. Another fun game that kind of had one team pull away down the stretch. The New York Knicks beat the Indiana Pacers 104-94. to Julius Randle had 30 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists, and honestly, could have had a triple-double if the Knicks could make, you know, open jump shots slash threes. Uh, I counted somewhere around 13 potential assists that Randle could have had if they just knocked down their jumpers, and this would be New York. But, alas, they didn't, and it was fine. They did just enough to win. Randle was still on fire. His mid-range jumper was going down with regularity. Trust me, he took it with regularity. So the fact that it started going in a lot more was great. Um, for the Pacers, you know, shorthanded, uh, Kiefer Sykes had 22 points, 4 rebounds, and 6 assists. And I like that guard, little guy, but he gets among the trees really quickly. Knocked down the 3 as well, 4 to 8 from long distance. You also had 17 points from Dwayne Washington Jr. Loved the way he played as well. Didn't really see from down down from downtown that well, just 1 of 7 from deep, but still played very well. 17 points, 4 assists for him. 15 boards, uh, 15 points, 8 boards, 4 assists for DeMontis Sabonis, who definitely couldn't find his jumper, but had some success down low. 5.7 rebounds and a monstrous dunk off a pump fake in the left corner from Miles Turner. He pump faked the 3, sent Julius Randle flying, and then just slammed in with a right-hand hammer. Really good stuff there. Justin Holiday didn't do a whole lot. 1 of 7 from 3, 3 points, 1 rebound, 1 assist. That was all. Off the bench, uh, Lance, make him dance. Stevenson, five board, five, uh, three point, five points rather, excuse me, along with three rebounds and two assists. 
And then after that, Tory Craig went five or six from the field, knocked down two threes, finished with 15 points, eight points for Justin Anderson, who was hot for a second, cooled down from late, especially from deep. But um, honestly, as good as Julius Randle was in this game, the real story was R.J. Barrett. And R.J. Barrett's been weird for me, because every time I look at him, like he, he still plays, in my mind, kind of robotic. Like It's not just coming to him, I'm going to drive. That's how I feel he says in his head. Here, I will shoot the jumper. Like, I know. He, he has a robotic style of play, in my own opinion. But he really played well. He didn't do as much across, you know, the box score as Julius Randle did. But he led the Knicks in scoring with 32 points. 12 of 20 from the field. 2 of 5 from 3. 6 of 8 from the free throw line. He also had 8 rebounds as well. And he threw in 3 assists and a steal just for good measure. So a really good game from R.J. Barrett. Was definitely more assertive in the first and second quarters. First quarter especially. Put the Knicks offense on his back and said, you know what, I got this. Like, what are we doing? Let's make it happen. And you got to just give respect to that. Um, especially on the efficiency with which he did it. Again, his mid-range jumper was also going down. And he liked taking that shot too. So it only made sense that it would uh, be a shot that he would turn to. Alec Burks didn't really shoot most efficiently, didn't knock down a single three out of five attempts, but 14 points, six boards, four assists. Off the bench, Emmanuel quickly had 11 on 10 shots. Wasn't the prettiest game. Never said it was. This is the Knicks, after all. They shot just 21% from three, 71% from the free throw line, but they played well. They got the win, and that's really all you can ask for if you're in New York. I doubt they're sitting there going, oh, man, we shot 21% from three. Nah, they're just happy they did what they had to do to get the victory. Speaking of victory, the Suns just keep on getting them. They're 29-8 now after they beat the Pelicans 123-110. Devin Booker, 33 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, was just enough to outlast Jonas Valanciunas, uh, who had a double-double, 25 points, 16 boards, and 2 assists for him. But honestly, the Pelicans, they just have had a sump shooting the ball. 40% from the field, 30% from 3. They shot from the free throw line well. 28-32 from the free throw line, but, you know, you're not going to get all your points there, or at least a substantial amount there to make it a difference. Um, you had the 25 from Jonas Valanciunas on 10-18 shooting. You had 28 to lead the way uh, from Devontae Graham, 9-18 from the field, 6-12 from three. He also had six assists. Brandon Ingram is still struggling to find his shot after coming back from that Achilles injury. 16.6 rebounds and five assists, but on just 5-18 from the field, 0-4 from 3. Mind you, there was some physicality that he didn't get calls for, and he was frustrated by that, and I understand that as well. But his jumper wasn't going down either. When you get to 5-18, it's not even Brandon Ingram's game to get to the basket all the way. So you know that his shot just wasn't finding its target. And as unfortunate and disappointing as that is, I think to a certain extent that is to be expected. Uh, 15 points by Josh Hart alongside 11 rebounds and 5 assists. Love to see that assist total jump. He's been empowered a lot more on the offensive end since Willie Green took over in New Orleans, and it has been paying off dividends. Uh, not only in his own floor awareness and the ability to make plays, but also just seeing him kind of be more of an impactful player, not just someone that sits in the corner, you know, knocking down threes at a subpar level. He's just not a 3D player, guys. He's like a deep player who can kind of shoot the three. There's a different designation for that altogether. Herbert Jones, nine boards, four rebounds, five assists, monster dunk on the Suns. In fact, this game had a few dunks um, because on the Phoenix side, you had Cameron Johnson with a nice one, 18.6 boards as well. Mikel Bridges had 23 points and two rebounds on 9-13 from the field. Already mentioned Devin Booker. Jalen Smith got the start and is still playing very well. 12 points, five boards, uh, even knocked down two out of his three threes. Chris Paul, you know he said he's ever, 11 points, 
15 assists, efficient shooting. Bismack Biombo got a couple of dunks, one really dominant one off of a Chris Paul pick and roll play where Chris Paul made him look like he was DeAndre Jordan from the 2015 Lob City Clippers. Biombo finished with 16 points, 6 boards, 3 assists on 6 of 6 from the field. Cameron Payne, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. Just a lot of Suns doing a lot of damage across multiple levels and... You know, the shorthanded Pelicans really couldn't do anything to stop them. They hung around, but Booker got hot late, and that was just enough to finish off New Orleans. Finally, in our last game of last night, the Los Angeles Lakers won again, beating the Sacramento Kings 122-114 to uh, to get back above 500 at 20-19. Obviously, it has been a season a little bit off of expectation for the Lakers, um... Don't gotta go into it. I think about. I think I talk about it pretty much every show. But LeBron James has been one constant. Talk about all the impact he's made with the Lakers and just across the NBA in terms of being his age and this many years and this much mileage and all that he's doing. And I'm saying that kind of in that way because yeah, it gets old, but it's still nonetheless impressive. And he was yet again impressive in last night's victory over the Kings. 31 points, five boards, five assists. Uh, that was more than De'Aaron Fox could muster for the Kings, as he finished, Fox did, with 30 points, 3 rebounds, and 6 assists, but the Lakers got the W, and what was really a team effort, because you did have LeBron James lead the way at 31, but you also had nine, you also had 24 points from Leek Monk, on 6 of 11 from 3, along with 4 rebounds and 4 assists, and a steal, and a block, Malik Monk has just been, just, a panacea for these Lakers, like, uh, he's been one of their most consistent players, uh, one of their more reliable guys, definitely someone who can knock down the three at a reliable clip and also create something off the bounce. He has some off the dribble juice as well in the offensive end that you love to see. I just like to see the young guy flourish. He's 23, getting minutes, getting responsibility, trying a little better on the defensive end. Um, not saying great there, but he's definitely trying to do something there, and it's been good to see him kind of have these immediate kind of payoffs. But you also had 19 points apiece from Russell Westbrook and Taylor Horn Tucker, both amazing to see in their own way for Russell. Uh, it wasn't very efficient, 19 points on 19 shots, but he also didn't have a, th- a turnover for the first time since 2016, and honestly, like, I really don't care about that, because guess what, you're a point guard, turnover's a part of the game, like, yes, Russell Westbrook has uh, a tendency to get a higher percentage of those, understood, but like, also, like, he's not what you would call a safe point guard, like, I'd be worried, or just amazed by your mastery on ball, if you were able to go, you know, all these streaks without having a turnover that means you're not taking a risk that means sometimes you know your teammates aren't catching a pass you get to be in either in a perfect situation or like you are too safe for me to even care about you as a game manager point guard and one thing is for sure russell westbrook is not a game manager point guard he's someone who's dynamic uh whether it's good or bad he's gonna make plays try to catapult his team to victory and sometimes that does include taking risk and sometimes that does include leading to turnovers now the amount of turnovers that he has no by no means am i saying that that is okay but, like, to come up with these random, not random, but he's in October in five years, I really don't care. Like, that's ridiculous. How many games has he had under three uh, turnovers? That's probably a better stat for me. How many games did he have just one turnover? Like, a turnover's a part of the game like everything else. Yes, obviously we want to limit those, but come on now. We're not doing this for Chris Paul. I mean, we probably are now that we're doing it for Russell Westbrook. But we're not doing it for these other point guards because, okay, like, I, it just annoys me, some of the Russell Westbrook discourse. I'll save it for another show, but it really does annoy me because we are just getting really mad disrespectful, really losing sight of how good of a player he has been and how decent a player he is now because we want to come and get our takes in. Like, have some class, y'all.
Anyway, Taylor Tucker also had 19 points. I like that because he's been just an absolute slump. He said after the game, listen, I've been playing the way I've been playing, just trying to, you know, be positive and wait for my shot to come back and just not really changing my approach. And I have to say it, I hate to say it, but that's a dang lie, THT. That's a dang lie. You have not been playing that way. You've been tentative. You've not been wanting to take the three. When you have taken the three, it's not gone in. You've been really scared to shoot around the basket, finish around the rim. Um, you've had games where you just kind of sleepwalked your way, two points, one rebound, and one assist. How was that letting the game come to you? Get out of here with that, man. I like, guess the right thing to say, but anyone who has eyes knows that's not the truth, and I'm calling it out. But so, 19 points, full rebound, six assists. Love to see it. Definitely found his touch last night. Carmelo Anthony, 4-6 from the field, eight boards, Eight, eight points, three boards, excuse me. Dwight Howard had a very impactful game. 14 points and 14 boards to go along with three assists and two steals. Even though it sucks to see him lose some of that vertical pop, see him lose some of that speed for sure, he is still someone who can be a dominant force around the rim at times, in moments, and for 21 minutes last night, he was. Aside from that, um, Avery Bradley, you know, chipped in with seven. Uh, Trevor Reza had three rebounds. Not a whole lot there. Those guys I mentioned did most of the damage. And... Going back to Russell Westbrook, because, sorry, I have to. Even with those zero turnovers, he only had two assists. Like, maybe he wasn't getting turnovers because he wasn't passing the ball so much. Maybe he got a more muted Russell Westbrook, which, like, I don't think is his most effective. I think that there's a balance between him being the Russell Westbrook that we know, let Russ be Russ, and a Russ who's, like, not even there. And, and I will say this. I was, you know, I'm a vibe guy. You know, I love everyone being all kumbaya, you know, having moments where, hey, we are all okay, we are having fun together, it is going to be alright. But there was one quote by Westbrook yesterday that I was like, ooh, vibe alert, didn't know how much I liked that. Uh, When asked whether his teammates have started to adjust to Russ's style of play, Russ laughed and said, my job changes every night. Sometimes I'm in the dunker spot a lot of the game. Sometimes I got the ball on my hands. That didn't really sound like, I'm going to do everything for my team. I'm going to do what I can. We're learning to get adjusted. We're getting better and better every game. Like, just give the verbatim tagline that so many other teammates and so many other players have used in the NBA. This had a little a little air of frustration to it. Obviously, Russ is not enamored with his role. And that's fine. I think the Lakers are not enamored with this production. But I also think that either side hasn't really gotten a fair shot. I think the Lakers have been looking at Russ through a different lens than maybe they should. I think Russ has had a different assignment, you know? He hasn't exactly tried to change his game. His shooting is still just god-awful. But at the same time, he has gone from being a point guard who's used to downing the ball to being in the dunker spot because he can't shoot and space the floor effectively. And he has to be utilized because he has to play a majority of the minutes on the floor with LeBron just by sheer amount of minutes that they both play. But at the same time, if you have LeBron with the ball and Westbrook with the ball, who are you going to choose to have the ball more? Anyone with the brain says LeBron. So, you know, it's tough. And I do understand how it can be frustrating for Russell Westbrook to have to deal with that. Because that doesn't sound fun at all. It really doesn't. Especially if you're, like, barely winning or just clawing above 500. Like, that's not fun. At the same time, man, you're on a championship contender or, you know, quote-unquote championship contender. And, yeah, they're trying to make these moves to make you better. Not only for this to fit along a very good team, but maybe long-term you can pick up some tricks to further adapt. Because unless you turn to a 35 36% percent three-point shooter like i uh quote-unquote predicted that you would to start this year (laughs) haha hot take i hope twitter never finds um it's not going to change like if you're not going to adapt the way you play and if you can't you can't but like you need to be effective on the floor because guess what at this stage of the game your strengths aren't as strong as they were and your weaknesses have never been more weak 
and that sucks to say as a Russell Westbrook stand, but it is the truth. Got to get adjusted, and I think that starts for us with the positive attitude. A little goes a long way there, my friend. A little goes a long way. All right, games. Busy slate of games tonight. Start with the Eastern time. Well, they're all Eastern time, but let's start with the early games. League pass, 7 o'clock. Pistons versus Hornets. Cade Cunningham versus LaMelo Ball. That's definitely one to tune into. Uh, just a peek, you know? Maybe the Pistons give you another performance like they did when they beat the Bucks. you know? Either way, it should be kind of fun. Uh, 76ers will be playing the Magic also at the same time, 7 Eastern on League Pass. In addition to that, the Rock is playing the Wizards. That should be kind of interesting. Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. should be returning from their one-game suspension, so we'll see if that makes an impact against Washington. At 7.30, we have three games, two League Pass, one ESPN. The Spurs will be playing the Celtics. The Nets will be playing the Pacers, which is also the return of a certain Kyrie Irving. And on ESPN, you not only have two major events, not only the Jersey retirement of one legend, Dirk Nowitzki, but also Warriors vs. Mavericks in what should be a fun game. 8 o'clock, League Pass. Raptors will be playing the Bucks. Raptors on the second half of back-to-back. We'll see how they respond. Also at 8, the Thunder will be playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Anthony Edwards. Should be a fun clash. 10 o'clock on ESPN. Eastern again, Jazz vs. the Nuggets. And then also two League Pass games at 10. Heat will be playing the Trailblazers. And the Hawks will be playing the Kings. So, fun slate of games. Should be a lot to go over. Uh, breaking down, you know, the action of the night before on tomorrow's episode. Um, or, actually, tomorrow we have a special, I have a special treat for you. Not going to lay it out too much. Uh, going to let y'all listen to it first. And then y'all be like, oh my goodness. Such a special treat from Corbin. We appreciate it, but that's going to be fun. But over the weekend, um, definitely for the Friday uh, slash Saturday show, weekend edition, we'll have a, a couple of games, some of the better ones of these to kind of pick into, as well as some news and just some general NBA analysis for sure. Should be a ton of fun. Don't you just love basketball? Lastly, we got to get to birthdays. And honestly, there wasn't a whole lot for today. Uh, shout out to Alex English, the number one scorer in the NBA from the 1980s. Played 15 seasons in the league. Aver- finished with career averages of 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists per game. Played most of his career with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the latter, like, 2 with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he is now 68. Great career for him. Someone who I think should definitely get a lot more love and probably should have been on the NBA 75 team, just because of the impact that he had, like he dominated, at least from a scoring perspective, for a decade and change. That has to be something to be said for that, especially when you consider some of the other players who made that list who didn't even dominate for five years. But anyways, not going to talk about that too much. Moving right along, um, aside from that, just two uh, active players, if you will, um, Malachi Richardson, you may remember him riding on the Toronto bench, but he is still an NBA player and still around. Uh, happy birthday to him, uh, now being 25. And then Tyler Eulis as well, uh, same age. So definitely shout out to him. Uh, in addition to the WNBA, John Quell Jones, uh, MVP in the WNBA, MVP caliber player, most certainly uh, with the Connecticut Sun, is now 28 years of age, career average of 13.8 boards and one assist, just over one and a half assists per game, all with the Connecticut Sun. Uh, definitely someone who is a really, really skilled center slash forward. Uh, just knows how to play. 
does know how to play. Drafted six overall from the Los Angeles Sparks back in 2016. Found a way to Connecticut um, and has made an impact since. And then also Kayla Alexander, uh, who is now 31, um, another center as well. Did not play this past season. Uh, most recently finished uh, playing with the Minnesota Lynx uh, in 2020. But another player now who's had a birthday as well. Shout out to her. And that will do it for the birthdays. And honestly, that'll also do it for Round Ball Ramble today. Really appreciate y'all taking the time to hang with your boy. It's always fun with y'all. I really appreciate it. Definitely make sure, if y'all can, rate, review, subscribe to Round Ball Ramble. Let me know what I'm doing well. Let me know how I can do a better I love constructive criticism. I love great feedback. It makes me better as a person. Uh, it also makes me better as a podcast host, and I have much to learn in both categories. So definitely give me that love. Give me that constructive criticism. Help me be better. Thank you. Also, check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S, online, sportsethos.com. Also, please take a moment follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed. Definitely do it. Again, Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Lastly, follow me, your boy Corbin Ford, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate y'all. And with that, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. I talk. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.